0: You guys at Fairhaven, and I went back to the church. I had not been there in 31 years, okay? Now, I've always been accused of having a freakish memory, and I do. Matter of fact, I, 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 I'm surprised I don't remember meeting your pastor, but I do remember meeting Miss Michelle because she was part of Brother Jake Treloar, our music director, senior music recital. And Did you sing in that group as well? Okay, you played for something in there. And also, I think your sister, I seem to remember your siblings um, from Pennsylvania, OK, I remember your siblings singing for a youth conference or something. They got a group together. Is it Bible Baptist? See, you almost forgot. And I remembered. OK, so, again, I got a freakish memory. So what happened was I went back, Brother, Brother Paul, I went back to Fairhaven a couple years ago and just stopped on random. I was on my way to Michigan to preach and uh, I was talking about how they knocked on my door when I was four years old and brought us to church. And I was I was outside of the building. And I just took a picture of the buses. Then I asked somebody to take a picture of me. And then two bus workers came and I said, hey, what, what are you doing? I was like, oh, my name is Calvin. I'm a preacher. I'm an evangelist. You know, I was like, the Lord, I, I went to this church 31 years ago and rode the bus. And I'm a preacher now. And I left my prayer card and they were just blown away. And so they wanted to give me a tour of the building. And so I was like, well, it looks a little different. So we, we were walking down some halls and different things like this. And they're showing me this and this and this. And, and so we walked down this one hallway, you know, where the, kind of where the buses are. Uh, over there, and then that wall's here. You can look out the window and see the buses parked. And I walked, and I said, "I'm looking around. I'm like something's." I said, "I think I used to come in right here." And I was like, "I can't explain it," but I'm like, "There used to be a door right here." And both of those guys are like, "No, we've been here since you know 1990, whatever." Blah blah blah. And I said, "I'm telling y'all, there used to be a door right here. That's where we used to come in." And they're like, oh, and it's me, 31 years of not being there. And then all of a sudden they got this older, and I, and I said, yeah. And I said, down this hallway right here. I said, my classroom back then, the four-year-olds and five-year-olds, I was like, we used to be at the end of a hallway, but it's like, it's like halfway though. And so they're like, oh, I don't think so. I don't know. So they got this older lady in the church and she came down and she's like, well, he said he went, up, And she was like, yeah, this is where the bus kid entrance used to be. She said back in 90 or 86 or 87, we closed that door off and we made it just a continuous hallway and the bus kids don't come in there anymore. But he's right. And I I said, yeah. And she said, yeah. She said, you see that beam right there? She said, that's where the wall ended. And your classroom would have been right on the right hand side where you said it was 31 years ago. (laughs) And here's what the Lord did extra on that, brother. I I, I talked to them that day and then I took another tour about a year and a half later. Same church. I'm going to get to the message in a minute. You're going to wish I was back to telling this story. But I was, I was, uh, I went to another tour, brother Eric Ramos. He took me through the buildings again and thought of the same thing. And I was asking, they're always trying to figure out who my bus captain was. And I was like, well, no, I don't think it's this guy. I don't think it's this guy. And they said, well, there was three guys back in 84, 85 that were bus captains. I think it was this guy, this guy. And I kept hearing this one name consistently come up. And I was like, I just don't remember. I was four years old. You know, I don't remember anybody. Fast forward, I preached in Berlin, New Jersey, Pastor Clark's church, Charlie Clark. And I was preaching at their church for their big day. There's 2,000 people there. It's crazy. It's nuts. The week before, I preached to five people, you know, and that's how the ministry is, you know, and, uh, and, and there's 2,000 people there. And I give my testimony. And a man walks up to me after the service and he says, uh, Brother Callan? I was like, yes, sir. He said, I was a bus captain in Gary in 1985. My name is Joe Kaiser. He said, I was a bus captain. I, was like, I said, where were you a captain? He said, well, this area, this area. I was like, ah, I was like, I don't think I was in that area. I know I wasn't out in Miller. I know I wasn't in that area. I was like, it's got to be that. area." he's like, that's where I was a bus captain. I showed my mom a picture of him. She's like, yeah, that looks like him. It's with hair." left hair. And, uh, but isn't that amazing? The Lord, 35, by that time, 35 years later, put me in the church where the bus captain that picked me up back in 1985 was. And he was a missionary for a while. He was a, he's an evangelist right now. His wife, unfortunately, passed away last year and uh, the Lord used him in a great, great ways to encourage churches. But uh, I sell that to say this. I did not grow up in church. So we everything we had burned down in a fire in Gary later that year, everything we lost, everything. And so we knew somebody that moved up to Milwaukee. So we moved up to Milwaukee. And so we just kind of, you know, uh, got what belongings we had left, moved up here to Milwaukee, to the north side of Milwaukee. And let me say this. This is why I appreciate this church. For years, the only church I have ever ran into out soul winning was Souls Harbor Baptist Church. I remember some guys, I don't even remember, uh, Pharaoh Mike, he, he was one of those guys back then because he was at the rescue mission with us. We'd go to the rescue mission and he was down there and he would come here. And some other guys that went to Maranatha would come here on weekend extension as well uh, to your church. But this is the one church that I consistently saw out besides our church out soul winning. And particularly on the north side where I was raised for part of my, my upbringing there. And uh, it meant a lot to me to have this church here as a soul winning center and, uh, and, and what it's done over the years for the cause of Christ. You never know where those people you've led to Christ have gone. And so we moved here to Milwaukee. Well, I didn't go to church on the north side, but I remember the bus. So everybody that would run a bus or a van, I'd go to their church. So I went to Mount Zion Assembly of God, Parkway Apostolic Church, Parkway Assembly of God, you know, Resurrection Assembly of God, Holy Redeemer Church of God in Christ, and a Bayview Assembly of God. And uh, finally, one day, I lived on 13th and uh, um, Burnham, right there by, we just call it Food Mart. Nana's market or El Ray, whatever that is right now. And then that Burger King right there and the Taco Bell and all of those and uh, all of those together. So we uh, she, she lived about a, a half a block away from me, lived a lady who went to our church and she invited me on the 4th of July, 1992. She invited me to come to church and I started coming after that. And in March 21st, 1993, I got saved on a Sunday night. We had an afternoon program in the church, and I stayed all Sunday afternoon. And I, here's what it was like. I was, I was sitting here listening to this preacher, and here was my thought. I was like, man, if, if, he, if he doesn't stop preaching, I'm going to go to hell right now. I'm like, this floor is about to open up. I'm going to be going to hell or the trumpets going to sound and I'm going to be taken out of here. And man, this could, I'm going to be lost. And matter of fact, one of my cousins, he came back from Gary, he was visiting his dad. And he told me about how the end times, the sun was going to turn to black as sackcloth hair and the moon was going to turn to blood. And, and one day we were walking on the, We were on the south side. We were on 8th and Greenfield, if you're familiar with the south side. And you know that big clock tower? You know, the Alan, we call it the Allen Bradley clock tower. If you're old school Milwaukee, it's Alan Bradley. It's not Rockwell. It's Alan Bradley, just like the Sears Tower. The Sears Tower is not the Willis Tower. It's always the Sears Tower, okay? Anyways, so I got that off my chest. All right, so we were walking towards that big clock, walking right down Greenfield Avenue, and I see the big clock there, and then I happened to look. The big clock was there, and the moon was right there, and I was like, do do And you know, you ever seen the moon where it's got that red tint? freaked me out I was like no Jesus is coming back I'm going to hell so I was I was already under conviction I just didn't know how to get saved I was under conviction and then that preacher got up there preaching my pastor Dean Noonan he got up there preaching and I was like all right I'm going to hell I know it he wasn't even preaching on hell it was just like I just know it I'm going to hell I'm like and I I literally I was like in my mind I was like Lord if he will ever shut up I'm gonna go get saved and finally after three hours just kidding. And uh, some of you are like, well, that's a marathon. No, after a couple after about an hour and a half, he got done preaching. I raised my hand right away. I came for it and I got saved. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Dad will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness alone, Jesus, my savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. shadows dispelling. Now with joy, I am telling he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my so, have you ever had that experience, friend? Oftentimes I ask people, they say, well, when did you guys say, well, I prayed when I was a kid. No, no, no. When did you pass from death unto life, as the Bible says? The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and we have been made alive by Christ. When did you know and understand you were dead And you got made alive. The Bible says we were in darkness. Uh, The Bible says even the children, they're in darkness even right until now. And God showed the light of the gospel in our hearts. When did you understand that you were blind and now you can see? When was the place when you understood you were a child of the devil? The Bible says, listen, you are of your father, the devil. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. For he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth. We, listen, God says there's a certain segment of people that are of their father, the devil. And except a man be born again, John chapter 3. Except a man be born again, John 3, 3. He said, you shall not see the kingdom of God unless you get born again. When did you get born from the devil's family and become part of God's family? Salvation is crystal clear. The first thing God ever did, you know what he did? He said, well, that's that's kind of divisive message. I know. You know, the first thing God ever did is he divided the light from the darkness. It's the first thing God ever did. This is darkness over here. This is light over here. Isn't it amazing? He didn't, have to, he, he didn't have to create the sun, the moon, all those lights first. He just said, let there be light. You ever read that in the Bible? God does not create the sun first, He created light, and then He created the sun. Say, so how is this possible? He's God. You know, God, you say, OK, can I put it in scientific terms? God can create light particles because he is the source. Of, you know, the, you ever notice this? The Bible says it's about God. He is light and in him is no darkness, neither shadow of turning. God put a little piece of himself into the universe. That's why when you get saved and he puts a little piece of himself into your heart, that's why you have light and you're, you don't walk in darkness anymore. It's amazing what a God we serve. But when did you, has there ever been a time in your life where you were dead? I remember I used to go to funerals. I'm trying to get to my message. Nehemiah chapter six. We used to go to funerals all the time. And we went to a lot of funerals in my day. Unfortunately, I mean, I've had my family's track record. I'm like, I'm borrowed time right now and I'm only 40. And uh, one of my aunts died at 33 of a heart attack little bit of extenuating circumstances, but 33. She was already on blood pressure medicine. She had a heart attack. One of my, one of my ancestors just buried her a couple years ago. 52. Heart attack. Other uncle, 61. Grandparents, both in their early, late 40s and early 50s. I've seen a lot of death. I've had two cousins that were killed. One was shot by his friend on Fifth and Beecher. Um, on the south side, he was shot by one of his friends. He was only 14 years of age. Playing with a pistol in, the, in a basement, there shot him. Uh, my senior year, my first week of my senior year of high school, my cousin was killed. Another one of my cousins. Y'all aren't old enough to remember this, but it was a very high-profile case. It was in the middle of the day. Somebody broke a, a window, and it was a group of him and his friends, and probably one of them might have done it. But there was a group of uh, there was a, a group of friends over here. Somebody broke this guy's window. He came outside with his girlfriend with a gun with an AK-47, and she said, one of them did it. She didn't know who did it. She just said, one of those guys, I think, did it. And the guy came over there because, before my cousin could say, I didn't do it. Shot him several times in the chest. Killed him in broad daylight. I preached this funeral. I've seen a lot of death in my day. I've done funerals for babies that were six months old. Listen, nobody's getting out of this life alive. But I remember going to those funerals, and I remember people singing Amazing Grace all the time. Boy, the most popular religious song in the world, maybe with the exception of, you know, How Great Thou Art. Because Elvis used to sing it. And we know how all of you love Elvis. Some of you are like, I don't even know who Elvis is. And uh, he was a great singer of the faith. No, he wasn't. Uh, but whatever you do, don't slip on his blue suede shoes. But anyways, so... Uh, but I remember seeing that and I remember hearing I told you I say crazy stuff. OK, I remember hearing Amazing Grace and I remember it all the time. And I was like, oh, that's a That's a pretty song. It's kind of got a cool message to it. But I remember after I got saved. and I sang amazing and I heard Amazing Grace and I sang it and I was like, you know, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved, oh, saved. Oh red like me I once was lost. I'm like yeah that was me. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This song means something. And then you find out the background of it. And you find out that the man who wrote it used to be a slave trader in Africa. Was actually captured himself and put into slavery for a little while. John Newton. And then you find out that he gets through some contact with some Arabians. He ends up getting saved. He denounces slavery. He becomes a great abolitionist warrior. He actually works on having slavery banned. I think it was 80 years before the United States ever banned slavery. England banned slavery because of John Newton's influence on a man named Wilbur Force. On his gravestone, he wrote something like this, a slave of slaves, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. A willing slave. He understood what the grace of God was all about. Have you ever experienced grace? Do you know what it is to be forgiven by God? Do you know what it is to lay your head on your pillow at night and have peace and know that you know that you know that you're saved? I hope you do. It's on my mind a little bit because of this and I'll get to my message here and I'll make it, I'll make it quick for you. I was on the mat today. Were any of you there for my self-defense thing I did for the ladies right there? Oh yeah. Both of you were there. And, uh, on those mats today, I was teaching a class and normally I show my techniques. I teach jujitsu. For those of you who don't know, I teach jujitsu. So my life is about Jesus and strangling people. Okay. So uh, that's my life. All right, and. Uh, They So I was on the mat and I taught my class. And then at the end, I always say this. Are there any other questions? Now, we got a character at our gym. He's a fighter. Honestly, he's vile. His mouth is out of control. He's perverted. But I've picked him up a couple times from his house and brought him to the gym. And the Lord's really given me a burden for him. And he said... I said, are there any other questions? Now, he's like an ADD child, okay? If he thinks it, it's coming out of his mouth. And I said, are there any other questions? And he piped up and said, yes. How do I go to heaven? Or how do I have eternal life? And I was like, what you say? <laughs> I was like... Okay. I said, here's how you have eternal life. I got six or seven guys around me right now, most of which haven't heard the gospel before. And I was like, oh, I'm glad you asked that. I said, here's what you need to know. You saying? that you are a sinner. You are condemned. There's a price for your sin because, you know, your sin has offended a holy, righteous God. Jesus Christ came to pay that price and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. And by accepting him and repenting and turning to him, you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So now if you want to know some more about that, I can show you how to do that after class. And uh, it was just like, Lord, thank you. God gave me this opportunity of a lifetime to witness to all of these men at one time. But what about you here tonight? Do you know that if you die, you go to heaven? Do you have peace? Are you scared? Listen, we, we live in a culture of fear right now. And all of our different, we all have a different level of fear. Some are 50% fear of COVID. Some are 100%. They don't even come out of their house. Some walk around arrogantly like nothing can touch them. We all fear something, though. But you don't have to live your life fearful of where you're going to spend eternity. You can get saved tonight. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter six, the Bible says in this in verse number one. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had, I had not set up, up doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent them to me saying, come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they sought to do me mischief. I want to talk to you for a little while on this. Just simply say no, no to Ono say no no to oh no father we love you we sure do appreciate the opportunity thank you for souls Harbor baptist church thank you for pastor hoover and his dear wife and the workers that are here tonight i pray that you bless their time give them a, give us a good time tonight but most of all just challenge us from the word of god for the next 15 minutes and i pray that you would do a work in these teenagers that they'll remember long after the nerf war they'll remember long after pizza and and uh after just another youth night we'll do something in our hearts tonight we'll thank you for it Save the lost. If there's anybody in here that does not know for sure that they were died, they go to heaven. I pray that tonight would be their night like mine was March 21st, 1993, where I got saved. May this be their night in Jesus name. Amen. It's amazing when you think of the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has... Uh, been taken captive. The generations before him uh, have been taken captives into the uh, Medo Persian Empire, and and uh, and they they have uh, been out of their homeland for many many years. And and uh, uh, Nehemiah gets permission. He sees the walls, and of course Jeremiah. It's around the same time period, Jeremiah goes in there and he sees the walls broken down. He's he's a weeping prophet. He sees. He says, "Oh my goodness, my heart is broken for the daughter of Israel." Ezra. Around the same time period, Ezra's was like, oh, no, the temple is broken down and and uh, the different burdens, different guys. And and, uh, and and boy, this all come into a culmination. Finally, Nehemiah sees the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. He says, King, can I go and can I rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? So Nehemiah goes down there and and gets his hands busy in the work and he gets a group of men together. And they say, yes, he's given us leave here to go down and we're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem here. And we're going to we're going to we're going to have another uh, uh, the ability to maybe someday go back and defend our city and and keep our culture and keep our heritage. And and the Jews that are there can at least have some protection. and Maybe there'll come a day where all God's children will be back in the land of Judea and the land of Samaria and that whole surrounding area into Jerusalem. And all of a sudden he finds something that he never expected. As soon as he got busy doing something for God and his people, all of a sudden enemy shows up. All of a sudden, there's a fellow by the name of Sandal, and there's a fellow by the name of Tobiah, and then there's another fellow by the name of Geshem, the Arabian, and all three of these guys are getting together, and they're having some conspiratorial meeting here, and they're saying, hey, if we could just get him to stop. I know young people, I've noticed, i say it very plainly and quickly to you, it's amazing what Satan will begin to send your way once you start to get busy for God. It's amazing the obstacles that start to be thrown up in front of you once you decide, you know what, I'm going to start making decisions for God. And then all of a sudden, out of the woodworks, you'll find a sandbalon and a Tobiah and a Geshem, and, and all of a sudden they there you're surrounded by the enemies, and they're trying to say, Hey, why don't you come down and meet with us in this village of Oh No. Now that should have told them right there. Oh no, I mean, could there be any more warning? And uh, that's like a city, you know, this uh, everybody dies there, it's called the city of death. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going there, you know. And uh, California, they have what's called Death Valley. You ever heard of Death Valley? You know, Death Valley, California, high temperature of 136 degrees. Yeah, I'm not going there. Okay, I believe in hot weather. I know I live in Wisconsin, but I believe in hot weather, but not that hot. And here they come, and it's like, oh, it's called, oh no. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not. I'm not going there. Why? It's a place of distraction from the work that God wants me to do. You know, it's amazing in my life. God God called me to preach. And, and man, I was a mess. And when 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 I say I got saved, man, God. Listen, I got I used to go to Clement Avenue School. OK, Clement Avenue is about f- four minutes, I think, east of here. And uh, a couple lights that way. And then, I mean, it, I went to Clement Avenue School. I got kicked out of Clement Avenue School in the third grade. I mean, I was so bad the devil ran from me twice. I mean, it was bad. I mean, he wouldn't even mess with me. I was like, it, it, it was it was it was a bad situation. I spent the last part of my third grade year in the principal's office, they said, oh, we're done with him. Don't ever come back here ever, 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 ever again. Then they sent me to another school, and they said, oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's educate him. And I was a smart little kid, and, and uh, that was part of my issue. I would, the teacher would say something. I got it. My freakish memory. I got it, and then I was bored. And So my, grandma said, my other grandma said, test him. I think he's bored. With she was right. So tell you, here's what they did. They put me in advanced classes. Now I'm in the PAT, the program for the academically talented. And I went to Manitoba up on 30, 35th, 30, well, around 40th and 4th home right there. They sent me to Manitoba and they boy, they got me all advanced classes and harder work, but it was the same thing. I'd hear it. okay, got it. Boom. And I was bored and I was talking in class, messing up. Then they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send them to the school psychologist's office. So I got to go down to Mr. Walzak's office all every day and uh, for a long, long time. And then finally, they just moved my desk downstairs into the school library next to his office. It was then I started looking up satanic materials. Now I didn't see it as satanic, listen to me. I didn't see it as satanic. I saw it as oh, this is white magic. This is good. Like some of the junk that we read and watch on movies sometimes. Again, everything anybody does, and I I got some people that if anybody flies, you know, that's evil. That's of the devil. No. And listen, okay? Yeah. I'm against talking to dead people, but I did get emotional when Mufasa came back and talked to Simba. All right, I'm against it. I'm against it. All right, and Father uh, help me, you know. but uh, but you know, I, so but I started getting into this stuff, started reading this stuff. I didn't even realize I'll start wearing black clothing. I di- I just didn't even realize it. And then somewhere around that was fourth grade, and then fifth grade. And then sixth grade year came and they, they were ready to kick me out of the school. They were getting ra- I mean, they pre- they'd kick me out of class. I'd be with the principal one day. I'd be over here the next day. I'd be the vice principal. And uh, somebody said, oh, you remember your vice principal from elementary school? I'm like, yeah, I spent half the year in her office. <laughs> we were on a, almost a first name basis. And uh, but I remember them well. And then God saved me. Sixth grade year. God saved me. By the time I got back to 7th grade. So we all graduated from 6th grade in Manitoba. And then we all went to Audubon Middle School. 39th and Euclid. So we all go to Pastor Noonan actually went to Audubon too. It was crazy. But we went to Audubon together. A lot of us. They had the same program for us. By the time I got back to school between 6th grade I got saved in March. So I had March, April, May, Half of June, we got out of school. I had gone to Bible camp. I had started preaching a little bit here or there. And all of a sudden, I come back to school, seventh grade year, and they are like, What happened? Because all of a sudden, in homeroom, I'm passing out these little pieces of paper called gospel tracts. And they were like, What is this? I said, let you know how to go to heaven. What? There used to me being the demon-possessed kid. We got, we got together a couple years ago. One of the girls I went to school with, my last name was Alan. Her last name was Arndt, A-R-D-N-T. She stood behind me every day in class. We went to a restaurant where all of us were together, and she just shook her head. She said, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe it. And I said, what well, can't you believe? And here, this was what she said. She said, the demon child has become a preacher. She couldn't believe it god began to work and work and work and all of a sudden out of nowhere i mean absolutely brother i mean out of nowhere boom comes this distraction (laughs) (laughs) Tobias show up i'm just checking your heart rates right now Ballard, and Tobias they started to show up and all of a sudden Girls I used to like way over there, just popping up. One instance in particular, I never forget it. I was, man, I was doing, I was doing so good. I was, a, I think I was a freshman, maybe, maybe a sophomore in high school, and man, everything was going great. And man, I'm preaching over here, and all of a sudden, a girlfriend shows up. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And she was like that Wrigley experiment gum, you know, get a little closer. and uh, <laughs> It's like three feet, no press. And, uh, but I have to do the Heisman Trophy, stiff arm. No, but uh, she's trying to get a little closer. And I'm like, dear Lord, dear Lord. And it, it, listen to me. It was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, not in a voice. Okay. If you hear voices, you need to go see Mr. Walzak, a psychologist again. <laughs> the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And it was like he said, get up and get out of here Amen. now. And here's what was going through my mind. But I don't want to be rude. And it was almost like he came back with, are you more worried about being rude to her or rude to the Holy Ghost? Oh, don't you hate when God does that to you? You know why? Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourges. That's a beatdown. Okay. Can I put it in North Carolina terms? You got a whooping. And God was whooping me on the inside. And I was like, well, I don't want to be. And God's like, you worried about being rude to her? What about being rude to me? And I thought, okay, how can I get out of this? How can I get? Because the Bible does say the Lord will, with every temptation, he will make a way to escape. And I thought, ha, I got it. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I got to go. I said, our church is going to a baseball game. Today at the Brewers, which was true. I wasn't going, but the church was going, you know, you know, you got to lie on the devil sometimes, you know, I, I said, I said, oh man, our church is going to there. Some people invited me. I got to go. Oh, okay. Bye-bye. See, that was my oh no moment. That was my oh no. Several years later, I didn't see her, but I got some mutual friends of ours and all of a sudden she's. 1920, she's got three kids, not married. And it just got worse from there. Listen, I'm, not, I'm not judging her. I'm not saying she doesn't know the Lord as far as I know. I'm just saying this. That was my come on down to oh no. I sure am glad I said no no. When I graduated from high school. I, had, uh, I was working at the University Club of Milwaukee. Some of you don't know where that is. There's, there, there's a war memorial downtown. Across from there is Northwestern Mutual. Next to there, there's those white towers, the Cudahy Towers. Next to them on Wells Street is the University Club. It's like $100,000 to be a member there a year. It's crazy. I met the governor there, governors, all kind of famous people I met there. Now watch this. I was in the back hallway singing. If you know me, I love to sing. I was a music director at our church for uh, nearly 14 years. And I was singing in the back stairway and one of the guys heard me singing. And he was like, oh my goodness. He's like, man, I could have you, if you, if you could sign with us, he's like, we'll get you in a studio. You can open up for this person and this artist and this artist. Oh, they come to Milwaukee. I'll introduce you to this producer. I'll introduce you to this producer. And he didn't understand it. But here's what I said to him. I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not trying to buy. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I belong to somebody else. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I sing for him. You know, that was one of those moments in my life where they said, come on, come on down here to come on down here to. Oh, no. And and just just, you know, just don't worry about we're not trying to we're not your enemies. And by the way, that's what the devil always says to us. We're not the enemy. We just want to meet with you for a little while. Why don't you come over here? And just we're just going to enjoy a little bit of time together. And he's like, nope. I sure am glad I said no, no, to Oh, no. Right there. The Lord's allowed, the Lord's allowed songs that we've written to go around the world. The Lord's allowed us to record nine CDs by our quartet, three solo CDs, choir CDs. He's allowed me to preach halfway around the world. I wouldn't trade that for any oh no out there. But you and I, if we're not careful, we're going to live our lives a distracted people. Notice these things in this scripture about distraction. I'm going to go through this very quickly because I want to give you the solution even quicker than that. You know, distraction always comes to those that are busy. Did you notice that in this story? You look at everybody in the Bible. Once they started moving forward for God, all of a sudden, the wrong woman shows up. The wrong man shows up. The wrong friend shows up. Satan shows up in the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, enemies of, the, of God begin to show up when people get busy. Understand this. Distractions often come from the wrong crowd. They mostly come from the wrong crowd. You know, nobody accidentally falls into doing right. You notice that? Yeah. You ever trip one day and say, oh, oh man, I fell? Oh, I fell. Let me tell you, pastor, I fell in the sand. I just started going so winning. Anybody ever said that to you? You'll be disappointed in me. I started a new bus route in the church. This is horrible. (laughs) Pastor, you're you're never going to look at me the same way. again. I said no to that boy who was trying to put his hands on me. I'm so sorry. You liked that one, didn't you? (laughs) Nobody ever does that. That's why we always say we fell into sin. It's what we naturally are bent towards. We want to be distracted sometimes, don't we? We walk down the street and that certain music is playing. Hey. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're. You remember, how many of you remember Peppy Le Pew? Anybody know who Pepe Le Pew is? Look at that. All the old people. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Pepe Le Pew was that he, he was he was a, he was a skunk. OK, and Pepe Le Pew always he was going after this one. It was a cat. I think he always thought he was a skunk. But and, and but Pepe Le Pew, he would always smell that perfume. He'd be walking down minding his own business. Like that's how skunks walk. <laughs> and then that 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 smell would come wafting. You could see the smell. You know, I'm talking about the cartoons. You see the smell just wafting over. That's a good word right there. waft. It's close to another one of my favorite words, waffle. <laughs> but that smell comes wafting over there, and he goes, Ooh la la, Perry. Mon ami. Rah. That's the only thing some of you are going to remember from tonight. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, that distraction. We never get distracted by right. Listen to this we do right on purpose, we have to do right. On purpose. You and I are bent towards sin. If we do right, it's gonna be because we decided on purpose to do what's right. And he had to on purpose say no to Ono. Oh, distractions always bring us in a downward direction. He said, Let us meet because Jerusalem is on a mountain, it's a high city. And he said, Let's meet in one of the plains of Ono. Oh, distractions are always gonna take you in a downward direction. Distractions are persistent. If you'll read down in, in verse, uh, I don't have time to go through all of this. And, and uh, the, of course, in verse number four, he said, they sent unto me four times. And then in verse number five, he said, they sent unto me in a fifth manner, the same thing. He's like, man, they sent four times. And then the fifth time, you know, distractions are persistent. Don't you wish when you said no to sin that it never came knocking again? Amen. You know, one of the greatest Christians ever to walk this earth, his name was the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And a matter of fact, he said, man, the good that I would, that I do not, what I don't want to do, that I'm doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. You ever been there? It always comes knocking again. But he said this in Hebrews and uh, the writer of Hebrews, James, he said, he said this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know what that means? Keeps tripping me up, keeps knocking on my door. It always is persistent. Understand this, distractions are weakening. He said in verse number nine, he talked about this. He talked about you guys are making up this lie. Saying I wanted to make myself the king in in Israel here because you sought to weaken my hands to the work. Listen to me, young people. This is a message for your day and age. Satan is trying to weaken your resolve to serve God. This is why he wants you involved in sin. This is why he wants you depressed. Hello? He wants some of you depressed because he knows if he can keep you depressed, you're, you will never get to your potential. You'll never build the life that God wants you to build because he's always got you in depression and tears and cry. Listen, I've been there before. I know what it is and I'm kind of go into it today. But listen, I've, much like you, we've all, at some point, if you've not cried yourself to sleep, you're, it's going to happen in your life. This past summer, I buried my 27 year old sister. The preacher funeral over what we believe was a medical mistake by the hospital. You listen to me? I understand what that's like. I understand what it's like to be failed by leadership. I understand what it's like to be failed by friends. I understand what it's like to be betrayed. I understand what it's like to feel like you're all alone and you're the only one going through problems. But I'm here to tell you today, Satan, there's nothing wrong with being hurt. There's nothing wrong. With, there is something wrong when we allow the devil to use that hurt, to use that discouragement, to use your sin, to use your past, to use where you grew up or the home situation you live in right now. It is, it is wrong for you to let the devil use that to stop you from building the life that God wants you to build. There's something wrong with that. And this is why God says, listen, we got to build up. We got to edify. We got to provoke one another into good works. Why? Because God has a life that wants to be built for you. And Satan is trying to weaken you. There's nothing worse than you trying to play when you're weak. Understand this. Distractions are accompanied by lies. We talked about this. How do we deal with this? Here we go. Three points. We're done. How do we deal with this distracted life? You know, most of your parents, how many of you drive? Anybody? None of you lazy bums drive? No, no, no that's kidding, just kidding. I didn't get my license until I was 18, okay? And uh, the first place I ever drove to was from this block over here to the test over there, okay? That was my first driving place. You know what parents are all over their kids for these days? Don't text and drive. You see it everywhere don't text and drive they're trying to drill it into your head as a young person don't text and they need to drill into my head and uh, I was on Facebook live one time driving and uh, the quartet makes fun of me every day because of that because I was literally face, but I'm like oh you gotta to set it right there you know, I'm not doing anything with it and but I man I, I had a bus captain in Bible college he would read the newspaper and drive I'm going to tell you, if I ever wanted to smack somebody while they were driving, I'm like, pay attention, and, uh, like my mama used to do. But he, he, he'd be reading a newspaper. I'm like, Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I had one fella, uh, his brother, Matt Dekina, is our athletic director and our sixth grade teacher at our school. His brother would be making, he, he, he had one of those power converters. He plugged it into the... the, the, the I almost said cigarette lighter. Cars don't have those anymore. And uh, the cigarette lighter, the, you know, the power thing there, he'd plug it in there and he had a power converter so he could make toast while he was driving. <laughs> he threw a microwave in the backseat at one point. I'm like, you're nuts. You know what I promise? Distracted driving is a massive problem right now. And Can I say? Distracted Christians are a massive problem right now there's some people here tonight God wants to use and he can't use you because you're too busy distracted by everything else some of you got a boy or a girl that you're distracted by and your whole life is consumed just like that person on their phone There was a young men in our school three young men in our school adopted by a fellow and his wife that their dad was on his way to work one day in, in northern Illinois and a teenage driver on their phone t-boned him less than 24 hours later he was dead and gone in heaven distracted drivers and I see Christians wrecked all on the highway of life they got so focused on that boy they got so focused on that girl boom all of a sudden they're taken out they got so focused on what they could look at on this thing right here Clean and unclean. And they got so focused. And all of a sudden, they're in a wreck. How do I do this, Brother Allen? You ever see those, the New York Police Department, they got those horses? And they what do they put on them? Blinders. They put those blinders on, they go, okay, because they don't want them distracted by everything because it's going to spook their horses. They won't go where they're supposed to go because they got all these distractions. And You know what you and I need to do? We need to put some, the Bible says, guard your heart and guard your eye gate and all these things. uh, I think it was Job who said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Wherefore should I look upon a handmaid? He said, I got some blinders on here that if I don't have these on, I'm going to be distracted in the Christian life. Here's three things. Here's how we deal with our distractions. Number one. Number one we find a great crowd, find a great crowd. You know, he identified who the enemies were right away. If you look back in chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, he is dealing with Sanballat and Tobiah this whole time. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to deal with your distractions, you're going to have to block out the wrong crowd and find the crowd that's got their hands busy building the wall of God. Some of you need to, there's some friends right now that are pulling you down. You know it, I know it, God knows it. You better start putting on some blinders. You better start making some distance, or you're gonna find out we're gonna get to the end of your life, and you've not built anything. And you're like, how did I get you know why most people smoke? Because their friends smoked. You know how most people get their first beer? This is Beertown Milwaukee here. Beertown America, Milwaukee. You know how most people get their beer? They either get it out of their daddy's cabinet, their grandpa's cabinet, or they get it from a friend. Somebody close to them created an opportunity for them to drink. And some of you listen. There's times in my life where I had to step back from my own family, so I can't hang around you. Here's here's how ghetto. My we talking about ghetto. My family knows if if Calvin is in this house. They, here's what they would do, preacher. They would warn me, don't go in that room over there. Don't go in that room. And one time they forgot to warn me not to go in that room. And I walked into that room. And the, she- the Shekinah glory of God, the heavenly smoke was filling that room. So I'm like, what was that? It was weed. OK. And uh, they were smoking it was a sweet smelling savor but it was it was not good i was caught into the third heaven where the end of the body or out of the body i could not tell the lord knoweth no but i'm telling and they were like oh get out of here, get out of here. you know why they had that reaction listen to me even they knew If i'm trying to build something for god i can't be in that room my uncle willie i'm not trying to be unkind to him my uncle willie is a sodomite Lives in California. My Uncle Willie, he he has been a drunkard since he was a teenager when his parents died. He jokingly one time offered me an alcoholic beverage. And he knew I was a preacher. I was like, yeah, give me that! You know what my uncle's reaction was? What? What? Here's what he said. If you ever he said, if you ever drink a beer, I will. And then he went on to say some deacon words to me. He, he threatened me with an inch of my life. Listen, he might be a sodomite, but he's also a former Marine. OK, he'll beat the daylights out of you. <laughs> I'm just telling you, he threatened me. A drunkard threatened me to not drink. You know Why? He knew that if I got distracted off of where I was going from God, even though he doesn't know the Lord, he's not a Christian man. He knew that there was something about the life I was building for God and he was not going to be a part of stopping me from building that life. I wonder who in your life right now is stopping you from building your life for God. Find a great crowd number two. We need to find a great work. In verse, and I don't have time to go into it there, but you can read the passage later. Jer- uh, Nehemiah says to them, why should the work, I, 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 verse number three, I sent messenger unto them, saying unto them, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Listen, here's what he's saying. I've got something that is so important over here. I don't have time to mess around with this over here. I don't have time for that. Okay. Ain't nobody got time for that, to quote our internet sensations. That's some something you need to tell some of the people and the things in your life. Ain't nobody got time for that. Hey, man, come to this party with us. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm too busy over here. Hey, man, have you seen this, man? Oh, look at this new TikTok, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I got time for that. I got to read the Bible. I got to pray. I got to go to church. I got to hang out with my mom. I got to have a right relationship with mom and dad. I don't have time for that. Oh man! Come on, we're having this party Saturday night. Nope, gotta go. I gotta go to church Sunday morning. Find a great work. Let me ask you this: I got, I got to shut up. Ten minutes ago. What? You're all, you're all part of this church here. What great work could you do in this church? What's something that God could use you to build this church to do? There's some of you that play instruments. Praise the Lord! You know why? Because God can use you to build the church, and you at all you're doing is at well, it's just not that important. No, it's a great work. It's a great work. You know what a blessing it is. We visit a church. You know what a blessing it is to come into a church and you see teenagers active. It's a blessing to people. I see teenagers playing. And I'm like, man, this is a good church. You see teenagers being ushers? Oh, that's a good church. Teenagers work in the nursery. Man, that's a so blessing. That's a good church. Well, it's not that important. Everything is important when you're doing it for God. Amen. Everything. I tell churches all the time, you know who's I believe the most important worker in the church is? The nursery worker. And the door greeter. You know why? Because oftentimes people that come in here, they'll never see the pastor. But they will, the first person they'll meet is the nursery worker or the door greeter. And if you're a grumpy Gus, or you're not friendly, somebody walks into this church and you look at them like as if they tried to steal your wallet. But if you say, hey, hey, I'm such and such. Do you know that's a great work for God? That's right. It's a great work. Well, I'm just, I'm shy and you know, I'm just, I'm just a girl in the church. I'm just shy. Could you do this? Could you write a note of encouragement to people? Could you see somebody in the church having a hard time and say, you know what? Hey, I don't know if you're having a hard time or not, but I just wanted to let you know, I'm praying for you. So I don't know about that. You have no idea what that can mean to somebody. It may mean more than the sermon that's preached, especially if I'm preaching. Uh, it may mean more than the sermon. It may mean more than a singing, a special, or playing an instrument. You can find something. Where's your great work? You are a soul winner? You got a van route or a bus route or you pick people up or you talk to people on the street? That's a great work. And next, lastly, find a great strength. In the end, he, he begins to pray in verse 14 or 15. He says, God, strengthen my hands for the work. Find a great work. I wonder if you're living your life distracted right now. I wonder if you've said no, no to Oh, no. Our heads about our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you some pretty important questions. I'll be quick tonight because we got to get to killing each other in a minute. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? If the trumpet were to sound right now, would you be ready or would you be left behind? Why don't you be honest the next four minutes, more than you've ever been? If you say, Brother Alan, I, I know, I can I can tell you about the time I got saved. My right now I can go in my mind. I may not remember everything I said. Listen, I don't remember everything I said in my wedding vows, but I remember this. I gave my heart to her, she gave her heart to me. And we've lived together ever since. No doubt I'm married. You may not remember everything you said, or, but you, you know it. Did you trust Christ? Did you receive Christ? Does he live in your heart? If you say, Brother Allen, I can right now go back in my mind to where I got saved. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there'd be no doubt if he came back tonight, I'd be ready to meet him. That's my testimony. Would you slip your hand up by signifying that? Brother I know I'm saved. You may put your hands down. There were several in here that could not raise a hand. I'm not mad at you. I care about you or else I wouldn't have asked you. If we didn't care, we'd just say, ah, oh, let's just have an activity. We won't preach. We won't put any pressure on you. But I know this. Heaven and hell is important. It's the most important. And I wonder if you're here tonight, say, brother, I don't know. I don't have a time and I don't have a place, but I sure would like to be saved and know that I'm going to heaven. If that's you here tonight, would you just simply raise your hand and say, brother, let's would you pray for me? Pray for me tonight. Nobody's looking around me in the Lord. Would you pray for me? I need that. I need to get saved. Maybe you're like me. You're scared. Say, man, what if that moon does turn to blood? What if that sun does turn black? What if that trumpet sounds and I'm everlasting lost? Oh, you can be saved. You don't have to jump through hoops. You got to jump in Christ. Brother Allen, that's me. I need to get saved. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Is there anybody like that tonight? Pray for me, Brother Allen. Here's my hand. Right now, raise it. Thank you, young man. I appreciate that. Anybody else to join? That one that raised his hand. Brother Allen, that's me. I need to trust Christ as my own personal Savior. I believe you raised your hand. I believe you meant that, young man. In a moment here, we're going to have what's called an invitation. Some people are going to come forward to deal with things that are going on in their heart. Some of you need to make some decisions about the distractions that you've been given. As pastor comes and directs the invitation here, any way that he sees fit, I don't know if we want to come forward or if we want to do okay. And uh, maybe God's put his finger on some distraction in your life. Would you come to the old-fashioned altar tonight and just deal with it? Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I pray right now that you touch hearts. You already have, but I pray that we would respond to what you've dealt with us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with your feet to me, with me right now? If the Lord's spoken to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come and take some time on this altar. Just don't worry about the person beside you. Just move if the Lord's spoken to your heart. And if nobody comes, we'll, we'll shut it down. But would you move? Would you move if the Lord's spoken to your heart? We'll have a verse or two of invitation time. my friend you know I've noticed in churches some young people are, they're so scared to come for an invitation sometimes because of the person that's sitting beside them and they're, they're literally sitting beside their stand Bella and Tobiah they're so scared some of them are, they watch through their eye they watch that girl or that boy they like and boy I gotta watch if she goes for it man I'm gonna be in trouble because she might get right with. listen ignore everybody else Ignore everybody else. It's you and God. What about you, my friends? When's going to be the time for you to bow the knee? Say, Lord, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I've been living a distracted life. For some of you, it might be social media. I know a ton of Christians right now. We're fighting each other. We're getting all kind of mess, junk, sin, selfishness. Young people can't find time to clean their room and yet they have time to get likes and subscribes and everything else. May the Lord help us not to live a distracted Christian life.